comes from the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the indwelling of your Holy Spirit and the joy that propels us even to worship on today. We thank you, Lord, for your, your mercy and your grace that is from everlasting to everlasting. For the psalmist declares, yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the victory and the majesty. Thank you, God, for just being God. And Father, right now as we gather to worship you as a church body, though we may be scattered, we're gathered because of the blood-stained banner of Jesus Christ. Father, right now, I ask that you would indwell us, revive us, refresh us by the outpouring. Give us a fresh anointing, a fresh outpouring of thy Holy Spirit upon today, O oh God. May you please, by the power of your Holy Spirit, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts that would be ready right now to receive Christ Jesus receive your word with joy and gladness, oh God. Oh, Father, we come at the beginning of another week. Thank you for how you have brought us through. Thank you for your continual protection, provision. We thank you right now, oh God, for the clothes that we have and the homes that we have. Thank you right now, oh God, that LG&E may still be on. Thank you, oh God, that we're able to experience you even in the comfort of our own homes for many don't even have that small luxury. But Father, right now, I ask that you would convict us and draw us towards you for the forgiveness of our sins, that we would have a fresh fellowship with you this morning, and that we would truly experience the joy that comes from you and you alone world did not give you, and the world cannot take it away. So, Father, please speak through your service, our Lord. Please take my weak and foolish words and use them for your maximum glory. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we do pray. And all of God's people said together, amen. Amen, Forest family. I just want to say good morning and welcome to once again this worship service of the church gathered at Forest Baptist. I pray that uh, your week has been well, but uh, even even if not, even if there's been some hiccups, some issues, some problems, we know that God's grace is sufficient. Well, this morning we continue in our Advent celebration, and this is a season of reflection. And through this reflection, I believe this this is a gift of, of God's grace to us, allowing us to come to the end of 2020, but to pause and reflect upon Advent, this season of celebrating the first coming of Jesus Christ. Even as Christians, we look forward to his second coming. So even as we reflect upon these, these glorious truths of Scripture, uh, we have the grace to pause for a moment because everything is just so busy. Everything is just at such a fast pace, I'm just grateful the Lord has given us the season just to take a quick breath and to reflect upon Jesus Christ. We began by reflecting upon the hope that we have in Christ Jesus, that he is the fulfillment of that promise of Genesis 3.15. We celebrate the fact that Jesus himself is our peace. He has secured through his life, death, burial, and resurrection a substitutionary atonement that we are reconciled to the Father in heaven. But on today, I want us to reflect on that third word of Advent, and that word is joy. Let us reflect upon that word joy. And I praise God for the worship team and uh, Sister V just singing so powerfully, so mightily to prepare us to receive God's word right now. So please turn with me in your Bibles or on your devices to Luke, the second chapter, a familiar passage of Scripture. But I pray that through uh, the insights that the Lord provides, that we would have a new perspective as he gives revelation. So Luke, the second chapter, beginning with verse 1. We'll read verses 1 through 21, but we're actually going to uh, jump around here in this, in this, this passage 
to look at some specific points for this morning's sermon. So uh, Luke, the second chapter, beginning with the first verse. And, and as we recognize each and every week here at Forest Baptist Church, because apart from the word of God, we, we will not hear from him and we will not know him. So we thank him for his word each and every week. So we acknowledge that this is the word of God. May we please hear the voice of Christ this morning. Luke, the second chapter, beginning with verse one. And the word of God reads, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that he had heard, all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, he was circumcised. He was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word this morning. So as we look into this text this morning, I just want to uh, speak with you on the subject this morning, great news, great joy. Great news, great joy. When we think about this Christmas season, I don't know about you, uh, but I'm excited for this coming week to be able to celebrate Christmas with our immediate family and uh, to sit around and to open gifts, to give and to receive. And this is definitely a time of, of excitement uh, for all you kiddos out there, are you excited? I, I couldn't hear you. Are, are, are you excited about Christmas coming? Like I said, I am. Uh, but we do recognize not all, but many will uh, experience the joy of Christmas morning. And we say not all because in the fallen and broken world that we live, we know some. They don't have homes. They won't have gifts. This is another season of difficulty. And we as God's people want to be sensitive and we want to be mindful to be uh, used of God to be his hands and his feet to go into this world and to engage and encourage and assist and help and bless those who are in need this season. And even as many homes are uh, filled with excitement, this, this week is the fulfillment of anxious expectations. I've been having people at my house asking every day, can they open their gifts? It's like, no, it, Christmas is coming, but can I open my gifts now? No, but can I just open one? No, but Christmas is coming. This week is the fulfillment of anxious expectation. 
elation will fill homes in response to the gifts that are given and to the gifts that are received. And this is what's at the heart of joy. It is a response of gladness, a, a response of adulation. It is that uh, experience that bursts forth from deep within. For those who've made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ, this feeling of joy should be very familiar. It'd be so, it should be something that we've experienced in the past and we continue to experience even right now. Because of all the gifts that could have been given, of all the gifts that could have been received, the greatest gift of all was born in a manger some 2,000 years ago. This is why our hearts should be filled with joy even this morning. Not only should we have joy because of the gift we have in Jesus, but beloved, Christians should be filled with joy because the Bible commands us so. For the Bible tells me so. A few verses, Philippians, the third chapter, and the first verse says, Finally, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Philippians 4 and 4 reminds us, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, what? Rejoice. And 1 Thessalonians 5.16 simply says, Rejoice always. So not only as Christians do we rejoice because we have King Jesus in our lives, we rejoice because we've, we've been commanded to. Because of the great gift we have, we're commanded. But beloved, if I could just be real, if I could be transparent, if I could be honest, I don't always feel like I have joy. I'm not always filled with that sense of elation or adulation. I'm, I'm not always filled with that sense of gladness. And if you're anything like me, you, 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 you've been more likely to experience Christian tiredness than Christian joyfulness. And I believe that this is what God wants us to hear this morning. And we acknowledge that, that during some seasons of our lives, we, we don't actually feel much joy. I don't actually feel much joy sometimes. I believe this is the missing ingredient of faith and why many Christians are stagnant in their walk with Jesus, a complete lack of joy. And as, as I reflected on the subject this, this week, I, I had to ask myself, now I had to be real. Now, if I'm commanded to, to have joy, but I'm not experiencing joy, then something must be wrong with me. Because we know ain't nothing wrong with God. So, so as I reflected upon that, as I dug into that, the Lord began to reveal some questions and and, and, and two of those questions that he revealed to me that day, I want to I ask those questions to you. And the first was simply, do you know what Christian joy is? Do you know what Christian joy really is? But then secondly, do you have it? Do you have it? You know, dictionary.com defines joy as the emotion of great delight. Or happiness caused by something exceptionally good or satisfying. But we know as Christians that uh, we have a different understanding of the definitions of words. And, and, and the joy that the world gives is a little bit different than the joy that Jesus gives. And so when I think about Christian joy, it's, it's not so much of just things happening around me, but but I have to ask myself the question then, if, if, if joy for the world comes from just things taking place or something special, uh, where does my Christian joy really come from? What is Christian joy? One of my favorite resources is uh, thebibleproject.org, and I 
commend that website to you for the study of God's word. It is super helpful. And there, they define joy as a, they define Christian joy as a profound decision of faith and hope in the power of Jesus' own life and love. So a, a profound decision of faith and hope in the power of Jesus' own life and love. The world-renowned pastor and author, John Piper, defines joy as, defines Christian joy as a good feeling in the soul, produced by the Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the Word and in the world. It's beautiful. Another article I was looking at when I was studying said Christian joy is choosing to respond to life's difficult situations with inner contentment and satisfaction. So, beloved, when I'm thinking about Christian joy, what, what, what I understand and what I'm picking up from the Scripture, uh, Christian joy is more than just a sustained good mood. It's more than just walking around telling people that you're blessed and highly favored. It's more than just, wa- than just walking around with a smile on our face because you and I both know that, that a lot of times we can fake it until we make it. We can act like we got joy on the outside while we're filled with misery and grief on the inside. And if I just can, can be completely real, we can walk up in church uh, each week and act like we got it all together just so those on the outside can think more highly of us. So it's more than just having this sustained good mood, but then also Christian joy, it is, it is not a denial or an ignoring of the pain and suffering that we experience. Christian joy is not a suppression of grief. Uh, actually, that, that's not healthy to... When something's wrong, and then just to act like it ain't wrong, that can cause all kinds of problems. So it's not, it's not acting like everything's okay when it's not okay. But we also understand from Scripture that Christian joy is not predicated on a happy circumstance. Christian joy is actually predicated, founded upon, and built upon God. The idea I want us to to really break down and think through today is the fact that Christian joy, these are pastor's words. This is how I want to define joy for us today, Christian joy. Christian joy is an emotional response to the present presence of Jesus Christ. That's what I want us to roll with today. Christian joy is is an emotional response to the present presence of Jesus Christ. Let us break that part just for a moment, and we're going to look at the text before us and and marry that up because I want you to see an example of what I'm talking about here in the text. See, Christian joy is an emotional response. When we look at this passage in Luke, the second chapter, what I want you to pay attention to there, there's three groups of people I want you to pay attention to. Uh, Well, one group is the angels. I wouldn't say they're people. Uh, One group group is the heavenly hosts. The other group of people are the shepherds, but the last person here is Mary. And what I want you to notice about this text, this, this entire chapter The central focus is on the fact that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, has finally arrived in the flesh. The very one they had been waiting for over 400 years uh, uh, to to hear a word from the Lord. But even more so, since Genesis 3.15, God had promised that one would come and set everything right. And now he has finally arrived. So, So as Luke is writing this out, that's why he talks about uh, Joseph's lineage and why they're going to Bethlehem, the city of David. And, but as he is going through this, he is, he is saying Jesus is finally here on earth. 
in front of people right now. That's the point. Because based upon Jesus' arrival, something will take place. And based on Jesus' arrival, how do each of these groups respond emotionally? Look how they respond emotionally. So, so here's the declaration by the angel in Luke, the second chapter, beginning with verse 10. The angel says, and the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you what? Good news of what? Great joy. That will be for all the people. What's the great news of great joy? Just what is it? Verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David. He gives, the angel gets very specific. This is not an event that you need to wait for. This is not an event that's coming, but it has happened today. This day. In the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Jesus has taken upon himself humanity. And he's wrapped himself in flesh. That he would come to rescue this world from their sins. And that particular reality causes an emotional response to each of these three groups. Look what happens first. First, we see what happens to the angels in verse 13. And suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts doing what? Praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So the angels start, they kick off, they kick off the, the emotional response to Jesus by saying, glory to God in highest. God has done something glorious right now. God has done something amazing right now, and he's done it on earth, and because he has come to earth, you will have this peace that surpasses all understanding, not just in your mind, not just in your heart, but in the relationship that you have with the Father in heaven. The angels are amazed the fact that this sinful creation uh, uh, has the opportunity to be reconciled to God, and because Jesus shows up, the angel shows up in this heavenly choir, and they begin singing and shouting. Beloved, that's just, that's just one thing for us to think about. How can we really have joy if we don't open up our lips and just shout sometimes? The angels show up and they shout glory to God in the highest. But then secondly, we see the response of the shepherds. And upon hearing this, they, 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 they get to their feet. They don't, they don't keep sitting and watching. The, the sheep, but they get up and do something. They run to Bethlehem and they witness everything. And the text says in verse 20, and the shepherds returned, what? Glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. So the shepherds get excited. They're, they're shouting. They're praising God because of Jesus' entry into the world, the one that would save them. But then look at Mary. Verse 19, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Beloved, each one of these groups had the appropriate emotional response. Because of the reality of Jesus' presence in creation, it caused within them this welling up of excitement, this, this welling up of uh, uh, gladness, and it, it manifests itself in their emotions. Now, now we understand. We, we, we want to think about our emotions, and, and we don't want to have the position that emotions are everything, but then we don't want to have the position that emotions are nothing. Because if anything, what God does and the way he has wired us is from the, the intellectual reality of what he's doing, it wells up within our hearts this accompanying, uh, like, like a, I would call it a stamp. Like, because of this truth, now my heart is rejoiced. Because Jesus has entered into creation, they now are, have an emotional reaction to this truth. Joy is a legitimate emotion. 
an emotion of contentment, gladness, assurance, and satisfaction. So Christian joy is an emotional, is a emotional response, but then secondly, to the present presence of Jesus. Watch this. Because all of these re- emotions, as I, as I said, are in response to the very presence of Jesus. Luke makes this clear. But he repeats it over and over. He repeats it like three times that Jesus is here. And we know that when we look at our scripture, you have repetition of words or thoughts or things that, that is really important. So in 2 7, he says, And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. This real child was really swaddled and really laid. But then follow along with me to the 11th chapter, the angel's declaration. Again, for unto you is born. He, he has come forth this day, very specific, in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Very specific. But then finally, uh, it's it's almost like offhanded because in verse 21 he says, and at the end of eight days when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus. So so he's, he's circumcised as evidence of God's covenant with Abraham that he is part of this people. And he's given a name. Yahweh saves Jesus. He has really come. And what Christian joy does, Christian joy takes what's rooted in the past, looks forward to the future, but yet is presently realized. So, so let's take the shepherds, for instance. The shepherds would, uh, if, they were, if they were good, faithful Israelites, if they were good, faithful Jews, they would have been able to look back to the promise that Jesus was coming, that hopefulness that, that one would come and set all things right, but then they will also know that in the future this one would come and bring peace on earth, but what brings them the most joy is not looking back or looking forward. What brings them the most joy is in the present reality that Jesus was in front of them. His present presence. Christian joy is not rooted on what happened or what's coming alone. It's rooted on who Jesus Christ is to you today. This is why I think we have so much problems with Christian joy. Because many times our joy is predicated on a uh, resolution uh, uh, of a situation, a change in circumstance. That's why it's easy to, to, to experience joy when I look back to see where Jesus brought me from. He, he's changed me. He brought me up out that dirt, that sinful, wicked life, and he brought me here so I can see what he's done, and, and it brings me joy. And then I can look forward to the day where he comes and, and the trumpet sounds, and we will meet him in the air, and we will be taken to the land of no more and experience all, the, 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 the full uh, presence of, uh, of God visible in glory. And we, and we think about those things that are coming, but what Christian joy is mostly predicated upon is the fact that not, not what Jesus is going to do, not what Jesus has done, but that you have Jesus right now. His very presence should bring us joy. That transformed my heart this week, beloved. My, my joy, part of it comes from I know Jesus is going to work everything out. I know, Lord, Lord willing, COVID will be gone one day, and we will be able to gather in the sanctuary again. But I don't have to push, push pause on my joy until that happens. I can have joy right now. You can have joy 
Christian joy right now. Because if Jesus is your Savior, you have him today. Today. Like Luke. Today. In the city called Louisville. In a home on your street. On the couch. While worship is playing. Jesus. Christ Jesus is living within those who who have repented of their sin and trusted in him for salvation. Today, we don't have to wait to be excited about the things of God. And what's so glorious about that fact is, remember what Jesus says to the disciples in John, the 16th chapter. Jesus says to the disciples, it is better for you that I go away, or it is to your advantage that I go. And why would Jesus say that to his disciples? See, up to that point, everyone who had encountered Jesus personally would would leave his presence with joy. Uh, They would come into his presence. Well, let 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 me nuance that. Those that Jesus delivered from sickness, disease, and their sins would encounter him and leave joy filled. You would see the lame uh, who, uh, jumping and shouting. You would see the blind declaring the goodness of God. You, you would see all of these things taking place, those who, who trusted in Christ. And so up to that point, everyone who had experienced Jesus in a personal way would, 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 lead, would ultimately need to leave his presence. But what Jesus is saying in the 16th chapter is better that he goes away The fact that when he goes away, he's going to send forth the helper who would indwell his people. So now, those who experience him externally but temporarily would now experience the presence of Christ externally but continually because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. This is why the Holy Spirit reminds us of who Jesus is and his words, and this is why the Holy Spirit uh, uh, indwells the people of God to remind us that Jesus is present with us right now. We have God himself living within us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And because of the very presence of the Holy Spirit in Christians' lives, we can what? Galatians 5, manifest the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy. Peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Because of the very presence of Jesus Christ. Look, in, in Psalm 16, 11, it says, You make known to me the path of life. In your what? Presence. There is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. In the presence of Jesus, understand, Christian. Though you, may not, can, you, though you may not be able to reach out and physically touch Jesus right now, he is even closer than your handprint because he's living within us. Because of that, we have joy. So again, I say, Christian joy is an emotional response to the present presence of Jesus Christ, because he's with us today. So, beloved, even as we work through all that, though, there's something hanging out there, though. There's another question that needs to be asked and answered. So, being, if, 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 if joy is an emotional response to the present presence of Jesus, then being uh, emotionless or a stoic Christian may actually be a form of joylessness and therefore either a sign of disobedience or a sign of unbelief. If you are a completely emotionless Christian, That is an indication of joylessness. 
And if all of Scripture is pointing to the fact that the people of God are filled with joy, if you ain't got it, either you're walking in disobedience or you just ain't saved. How do we know this? A lack of Christian joy is a failure to recognize Jesus' perfect present presence through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. A failure. A failure to do what God has called us to do is to recognize his presence within us. And as we go through this life, there are many things that, is, that are trying to hinder this recognition, try, trying to hinder our joy. Some of the, when I think about it, some of the things that are hindrances to Christian joy, namely, we, we, we're in a fallen world and we're fallen people. And we are under constant bombardment from the world, Satan, and our flesh. And if we're not, Ephesians 6, taking up, 5 and 6, if we're not taking up our, the whole armor of God, then we're not protected. And then we're, we're just going out getting beat up every single day, all day long. We're getting beat up. So one hindrance to Christian joy is the fact that we're falling. But then secondly, beloved, and I want you to be real. The second hindrance to Christian joy is the fact that there's, there's unconfessed, unrepentant sin in our life. When there is sin present in your life, it has a way of weighing down your joy. This is what David was talking about in Psalm 51 and, and 12, where, where he, he's crying out to God in all, uh, Psalm 51, remember, uh, because of his sin with Bathsheba, because of his adultery, because of his, his, his deceit, because of his, his, his murder, uh, because of all of that uh, wickedness, uh, he's going through and he's confessing the sin. And then verse 12 comes, he says, please restore to me the joy of your salvation. Why would that joy need to be restored? Because sin has caused, has interrupted and disrupted that fellowship. So, beloved, some of us are walking around in Christian bitterness and Christian joylessness just because of the fact we ain't dealing with our own sin. And you will continue to walk around in joylessness until you humble yourself and get down on your knees broken and crying out to God to, to forgive you for your sin. We live in a fallen world. There is sin. But this is the one I find myself most guilty of. The third hindrance to joy is the fact that we are in, living in a world filled of distractions and full of busyness. Busyness. You know, when we're busy, it's easy to take our focus on the present presence of Jesus Christ because we're always thinking about what I got to do next. And I'm always thinking about uh, uh, what to do at this time. And I'm always looking at my calendar and I'm always thinking about school for the kids and I'm always thinking about groceries and I'm always think, thinking about paying these bills and I, and I get so caught up in doing the, but I, I want to go on vacation and I want to do this and I get so caught up and so busy that I, I, I fail to pause to reflect upon the very present presence of Jesus Christ because I'm so consumed on what I need to do and, and Jesus is saying you need to stop thinking so highly of yourself and sit down somewhere. <laughs> this week Jesus gave me a completely different perspective on a familiar text of Scripture. Not a, not, not a new interpretation, but a further illumination. In Luke, the 10th chapter, we talk about this all the time. In Luke, the 10th chapter, verse 38 through 42, uh, uh, Mary and Martha are hosting a dinner, and Jesus and the disciples come in. And Martha goes and complains to Jesus the fact that she is so busy, she is she is uh, doing all everything by herself, and Mary is not helping her. And what does Jesus say to Martha? Verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving. <laughs> she was distracted with much serving. And she, because she was distracted with much serving, she was missing the present presence of Jesus in her own home. And because she was distracted and she went up 
to him, Jesus, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister have left me alone to serve? Lord, don't you care I got to take care of these kids? Lord, don't you care that I got to go to go to work? Lord, don't you care that I, I've been stuck in this house for 10 months? Lord, don't you care? And Jesus, what does Jesus say to her? But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. I, 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 I never fully understood that. But when you sit yourself down in the presence of Jesus and you recognize his present presence, that can never be taken away from you. And the busyness of life is taking that away from us, and we're walking around joyless Christians, unable to be excited about the things of God because we won't sit at Jesus' feet. We're choosing the wrong thing. But I'm so glad that Jesus gives grace, and he teaches us how to experience Christian joy. Christian joy is it's like, it's like a, a, a new flower, a new plant that's been planted. And its leaves, in order for it to thrive, need sufficient sunlight. That's, that's why sometimes your grandma and them used to move those plants around the house in, in order to give them more sunlight that they would grow. And this is what it, this is what it means to, to bask in the grace of Jesus Christ as a Christian. I, I have to place myself in proximity to the river that overflows with grace. I have to place myself in the, in the right uh, 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 area, in the right seat to, to be blessed by his presence. Because when he begins to nourish me, when he begins to fill me up, John 15, abide in me and I will abide in you. When that happens, then Christian joy begins to bear much fruit in the fact that we're able to have total trust in the sovereignty of Christ. Our joy grows when we have total trust in the sovereignty of Christ, the fact that he knows exactly what he's doing and that he is a good God and a faithful God and he can be trusted. As a matter of fact, we can trust him with our entire lives because he laid down his life. Christian joy comes from total dependence on Jesus. Where you're not trying to make things happen. You're not the one who wants to control everything. You're not trying to control your narrative. But you're trusting Jesus. But thirdly, when you totally treasure Jesus. I'm reminded Matthew the 13th chapter and the 44th verse Jesus tells the parable and he says the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. This man recognized what he had right in front of him so he was willing to get rid of everything else. Beloved, the fact is that many of us are so joyless because we don't recognize what we have right in front of us. Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. So, beloved, what I actually want us to close in is a time of repentance and reflection. Because Jesus made us a promise, right? In John 15, Jesus makes us this promise. John the 15th chapter, beginning with the ninth verse, he says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Verse 11, here's the promise. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in and that your joy may be full. Beloved, if your joy is not full this morning, then 
you're not believing Jesus. And you're not trusting in his perfect presence in your life right now. Beloved, what we need to do, and what I want us to do is just pause to make some space to reflect upon Jesus. The one whom we have right now, who's already born. The Holy Spirit is indwelling us right now. What, what I want you to do right now is just, just to close your eyes to reflect upon your joy. To close your eyes and reflect upon just where you are right now. And as you, as you reflect upon where you are right now, now I want you to take your focus off your circumstance and place them on your Savior. Think about Jesus. Think about Jesus. Consider the one who laid his life down for you. And as you close your eyes and think about Jesus, just listen to my voice. Because the one you're focusing on is Emmanuel. He's Christ. He's Lord. Master, the Word, the Son of God, the Son of Man, the Son of David. He's the Lamb of God. He's the second Adam. He's the light of the world. He's the king of the Jews. He's the bread of life. The living water. He's almighty. He's the alpha and the omega. He's the good shepherd. The great high priest. He's the great I am. He's mediator. He's our hope. He's wonderful counselor. Mighty God. Eternal Father. Prince of Peace. Savior. The resurrection and the life. Door, the way, the true life. Jesus. And as you reflect upon who he is and his present presence in your life, now Repent for your lack of joy. Repent of your dulled affections for Jesus. Repent for not understanding whom we really have. Repent for not delighting in the Lord. May we not being a joy-filled people. We sing that song, Blessed Assurance. Jesus is mine, oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation. 
purchased of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. The blessed assurance. We have this taste of heaven in Christ with us right now. And my prayer is that Jesus will be your blessed assurance today. Through repentance and faith in him and him alone. And may you never be satisfied by anything or anyone else besides Jesus. And may we be a joy-filled people because we have great news. And with that great news comes great joy. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for your glorious word. We thank you for the joy that only comes from you. We thank you for your power and for your majesty and for your might. We thank you for the specificity of your promises kept. For the angel declared that today city of David, the Savior, Christ Jesus the Lord. Father, I pray that you would indeed save us and redeem us by your precious blood. Thank you so much for your faithfulness. And Father, today, I just, in the name of Jesus, I just ask for liberation upon your people. Liberate us to experience the joy that we would walk in obedience, that we would walk in belief and not doubt. We love you, O oh God. We ask that you continue to have your way. In Jesus' precious and holy name we do pray. And all of God's people say it together. Amen. Amen. Well, beloved, so good to be with you today. And my 